Good morning. It's Thursday, March 26th, and today I'm going to be reading the chapter about Joseph. Um, they are just outside of Havana in 1939, 19 days from home. And remember, his dad um, had jumped overboard and was rescued. <clears throat> Joseph wished he was invisible. Once the rest of the passengers discovered who had jumped overboard yesterday, everyone stopped to tell him how sorry they were, how everything would be all right. But how could it be all right? How could it ever be all right? Joseph stood at the rail on a deck where his father had jumped. Down below, the sea was no longer empty. It was dotted with little motorboats and rowboats. Some carried reporters shouting up questions and trying to get pictures of the ship. Other boats offered up bunches of fresh bananas and bags of coconuts and oranges. Passengers on sea deck tossed money down and the fruit was passed up the ladder by the Cuban policemen guarding the top and the bottom. Lately, though, the boats were full of relatives of people on board, mostly men. They had come ahead of, to Cuba to get jobs and find places for their families to live. One man brought the same little white dog every day and held it up for his wife to wave to. The boats with relatives came close enough for their families to yell back and forth a little, but they couldn't get any closer. Thanks to Joseph's father, a handful of Cuban police boats now surrounded the St. Louis. They kept the rescue ships at a distance and watched for anyone else who tried to jump to freedom or death. At night, the Cuban police boats swept the hull with searchlights and the St. Louis cr Louis's crew members, on the captain's orders, patrolled the decks on suicide watch. Evelyn, there he is! There's Papa! Renata cried. She stood a few paces away from Joseph, down the rail, trying to point out one of the little rowboats to her sister. Where? I don't see him! Evelyn whined. Joseph was more interested in the small police boat that had navigated its way through the flotilla and was pulling up to the St. Louis. Any time they had a visitor now, it was cause for conversation, and soon word spread throughout the ship that the boat had brought the Cuban policeman who had saved Joseph's father. Joseph ran down to fetch his mother and sister, and together they hurried to the social hall where a group of passengers and crew gathered to give the Cuban policeman a hero's welcome. They parted for the policeman, man, cheering and slapping him on the back and shaking hands with him as he went. It was the first time he had been back to the ship since jumping overboard to save Joseph's father, and Joseph and his family strained to get a good look at him over the heads of the other passengers. Joseph's mother cried and put a hand to her mouth, and Joseph felt a surge of affection for the policeman. This was the man who had saved his father's life. The policeman seemed genuinely flattered and surprised by all the attention. He was a short, stocky man with olive skin, a wide face, and a thick mustache. He wore blue pants, a gray shirt with epaulets on the shoulder, and a matching gray beret. Around his waist was a leather belt with a nightstick and a holster hanging from it. His name, they were told, was Mariano Pedron. Captain Schroeder arrived to thank Officer Pedron on behalf of the passengers and crew. Joseph felt a ripple of tension spread throughout the room. 
Joseph had seen the captain less and less as the hot days of waiting at anchor dragged on, and he wasn't the only passenger who had noticed. But they were there to celebrate Officer Pedron, not badger the captain about why they were still on the ship. The mood became happy again when the policeman was presented with a gift of 150 rice marks that had been collected from grateful passengers. Officer Pedron was stunned, and so was Joseph. 150 rice marks was a lot of money, especially for people who might need that money later to pay for visas and entrance fees. Officer Pedron tried to refuse the money, but the passengers wouldn't hear of it. I was just doing my job, Officer Pedron told the audience through a translator, but I will never forget this. I will never forget any of you. Thank you. The passengers applauded again, and while many of them turned their attention to the captain and asked him for a status report, Joseph and his mother and sister pushed forward to talk to the policeman. Officer Pedron's eyes lit up at the sight of Joseph's mother. He said something in Spanish, and the passenger, who had spoken for him in front of the crowd, smiled and translated his words. Senora, your father was a thief? Joseph's mother frowned. A thief? My father? No, I don't understand. Your father, he must be a thief. Officer Pedron said through a translator, because he stole the stars from the sky and put them in the senora's eyes. Joseph finally understood. It was some kind of compliment about how pretty she was. His mother smiled politely, but impatiently. Officer Pedron, what about my husband? She asked. Is he all right? They won't let me go ashore and see him. The policeman took off his hat. I am so sorry, so very sorry. Senora Landau, yes? Your husband is alive, he said through the interpreter. He is in the hospital. He has been... Officer Pedron said something more, but the translator frowned. It was beyond his limited Spanish. Officer Pedron could see his confusion, and he pantomimed what he meant by turning his wrists upside down, closing his eyes, and lolling his head back like he was asleep. Sedated, Mama said. There was pain in her voice. Joseph knew she blamed herself. The whole reason her husband was gone was because she had been sedated and unable to stop him. Officer Pedron nodded. It's not good, he said through the interpreter, but he will live. Joseph's mother took both of the policeman's hands in her own and kissed them. Thank you, Officer Pedron. She spoke in German, but the policeman seemed to understand. He blushed and nodded. Then he spied Ruthie half hidden behind her mother's skirt and knelt down to her. He put his policeman's beret on her head and said something in Spanish, and she smiled. He says you're the policewoman now, the translator said. He will be the criminal. You must catch him. Officer Pedron led Ruthie on a merry chase around the room, Ruthie squealing. Joseph's mother laughed through a sob. It was the first time Joseph had heard her laugh or seen her smile in months. Officer Pedron let Ruthie catch him, and he plucked the hat off Ruthie's head and put it on Joseph's head, speaking in Spanish again. He says it's your turn, the translator said. Oh, no, Joseph said. He waved a hand to make sure the policeman understood. He wasn't in the mood for fun and games, and besides, he was too old for that kind of thing.
Officer Pedron tapped Joseph's chest with the back of his hand, urging him to play. He says he is the passenger, the translator said. Officer Pedron raised himself up in mock anger and spoke in Spanish. You, senor policeman, the translator said. When will we leave the ship? The happy mood suddenly disappeared. Joseph and his family and the translator all looked at each other awkwardly. Officer Pedron had only meant to mimic what everyone else asked him all the time, but the question made Joseph sag. It felt like they were never getting off this ship. Officer Pedron realized his mistake immediately and looked anguished at having brought it up. He nodded in sympathy. Then, in unison, he and Joseph spoke the answer all the Cuban guards always gave. Manana. Tomorrow. And that is the end of today's chapter. And we'll see what will happen manana with Isabel and her family. I miss you all. I hope you're enjoying these chapter readings. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.